Are you about to start a podcast or producing a podcast and tired of doing the editing yourself? We have produced over 1,000 daily shows and the production team that I've created, they're now available to produce shows for you as well. We can do as little or as much as you need from finding and communicating with guests, preparing introductions, to editing the audio and video. You will sound better, have a more professional presence, and be able to spend your time doing other valuable tasks on your business. Let me know you're interested by emailing me directly at Whitney at LifeBridgeCapital.com. 2021, the financing was great, but the purchase prices were too high and were not attractive. And then in 2022, the purchase prices are much more attractive, but the financing is not. And so you pay the loan, but you marry the property. So the loan's only temporary. And so I would much rather be buying an environment where the purchase prices are more attractive and the financing is not as attractive. So I'm seeing a lot better values out there in the market for sure. And I've seen some price declines uh, already. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Sam Rust. Joining us today is John Brixen, who's based out of Dallas, Texas, and is the founder and managing principal of McKinney Realty Capital, a commercial mortgage brokerage that primarily focuses on financing value-add multifamily properties, so right up our alley. In 2022, the firm closed over $300 million across 30 loans so far. In addition to his work on the brokerage side, John invests in multifamily and industrial properties, both as a limited principle and a key principle. So John, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Sam. Glad to be back on the show. Yeah, definitely. John and I have known each other for a number of years, connected at various conferences and uh, various soirees that happen across the space. And we were just talking before the show got going that uh, this is a very interesting time in the financing world. You know, in the, the five years or so that I've been in syndication and multifamily, it seems like equity is the constant focus as part of the overall capital stack and, and financing, while not an afterthought, was certainly something that was relatively stable. Not so much in 2022. John, I'd be curious for your thoughts on where we sit. You know, we're at the end of the third quarter here today of 2022. It's been a ton of volatility. The 10-year treasury has had some pretty significant swings up and down and down and up. And I'd love just your high-level thoughts on where things stand in the debt market today. Sure. And I'll say first to start off, it's uh, September 15th, 2022, and things are changing like every week. And so I'm sure this podcast will come out in two or three weeks. And so things might be completely different. But where we sit today, 2021 was the year of the floating rate loan, the year of the bridge loan. All of those floating rate loans and then bridge loans are priced based on SOFR our CME term SOFR, which is a short-term 30-day index. And you know, 2021, SOFR was close to zero for, for most of that period of time. And today, SOFR really is tracked closely with federal funds rates. So whenever the Fed increases the target Fed funds rate, SOFR will move in lockstep with that. And so you know, today, SOFR sits at around 2.25%. And the next Fed meeting is September I want to say it's 22nd or 23rd. I could be off there, but it's in the next two weeks. And you know, the Fed, what they're really looking at is inflation and where's inflation you know, coming in. And you know, Jerome Powell has made it very clear that they're determined to fight inflation you know, as much as possible. And you know, my read on that is that 
they're going to continue hiking until we start seeing some meaningful declines in inflation. And so this last month just came out that the print came out this week and it came in at 8.3%. I think some people were, you know, a lot of economists were hoping that it would come in or expecting it to come in closer to 8%. So it declined, but it came in higher than usual. So my prediction will be that the Fed will hike 75 basis points on September 23rd or whatever that next Fed meeting is. And then term or SOFA will be at 3% by the end of this month. So what does that mean for financing? What does that mean for bridge loans? What does that mean for floating rate versus fixed rate loans? Well, you know, floating rate loans, the rates have increased quite a bit. You know, so the floating rate loans, it's it's SOFR plus the spread. And the spread is really the, the profit for the lender. And so SOFR, you know, has increased from zero to three percent. And so there's been just a three percent increase from that. And then spreads have increased from maybe we're low 300s in 2021, low to mid 300s, and now we're closer to 400 to 450 over SOFR. And so really what we've seen is on the floating rate loans, those interest rates have increased from you know 3.25, 3 3.5, 3.75% up to today, they're seven to 7.5%. And because they're floating, they could increase where the Fed goes and hikes rates. And then obviously with the floating rate loans, a lot of these lenders will require borrowers to buy uh, what are called SOFR caps, which basically is an insurance policy or a hedge that will limit how much SOFR can increase. And then that way mitigate or protect you from potential increases in interest rate during the whole period. And so the cost of that insurance has, has increased significantly. So what's really happened is the bridge loans have become less attractive on financing acquisitions. And then so then the flip side is the fixed rate. And with the fixed rate loans, you know, those are primarily Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. You know, unfortunately there's really not any non-recourse bridge lenders that do fixed rate loans. So there's not really fixed rate bridge loans out there. I'll come back to fixed rate for non-Fannie or non-Freddie. But Fannie and Freddie, you know, those loans are really driven by your debt service coverage. So Fannie and Freddie will go up to 80%, but they require that the property can cover the annual principal of interest at least 1.25 times. And because cap rates haven't moved quite as quickly as interest rates, interest rates have increased. The 10-year treasury today is about 3.45%. 16 days ago, it was about 2.8%, 2.7%. So, I mean, the 10-year treasury is up about 75 basis points over the last 60 days. And so what that means for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans is that we can only cover at a 1.25 times debt service coverage on most acquisitions at, you know, 50, 55%, 60% LTV. And so Fannie and Freddie are, are still active, but you just can't get as high on proceeds of, as high on leverage as you can get you know, still with bridge lenders or with other types of lenders. Now, Fannie and Freddie aren't the only types of lenders that are doing fixed rate loans. What we've been doing a lot of more recently, I'd say over the last 60 days, and especially in kind of that small balance space, 10 million and below, 15 million and below, is we've been working with a lot of banks and credit unions because banks and credit unions are some oftentimes able, not all, and every bank and credit, every bank and lenders is different. Some are okay doing fixed rate. 
Some will not do fixed rate. Some will do fixed rate only for two or three years. We've been doing a ton of loans with, with uh, local banks um, because the local banks, they're not TSCR constrained at 1.25 times that service coverage, and they can do three to five years fixed. So more recently, especially if it's $10 million and below, we've been directing our clients to go into financing an acquisition with a bank loan. And a lot of times, you know, they are recourse, but you can get 75% of the cost, a 5.25% interest rate fixed, one-year bio, 25-year and thereafter. It is recourse, but you know, a lot of borrowers, they look at that and they compare it with the bridge option that we bring to the table. And they might see that you know, the bank loan is, is fixed. There's no SOFA cap requirement. Closing costs are much lower. And my interest rate is 200 basis points inside of the bridge lender. So they're willing to make that trade-off to sign recourse. But I guess I'll wrap all this up with saying, Sam, that in 2021, I've been talking to a lot of borrowers this, in 2021, the financing was great, but the purchase prices were too high and were not attractive. And then in 2022, the purchase prices are much more attractive, but the financing is not. And so you pay the loan, but you marry the property. So the loan is only temporary. And so I would much rather be buying an environment where the purchase prices are more attractive and the financing is not as attractive. So I'm seeing a lot better values out there in the market for sure. And I've seen some price declines uh, already. Yeah, we've certainly seen that across our markets as well, that the ask is coming down to what I would call more realistic levels. But even so, it does seem like there's a big spread between the bid and the ask on properties that are for sale. You mentioned that cap rates aren't tracking as closely with interest rates. Do you anticipate that to continue? And why is there a gap? Why are cap rates slower to respond in your opinion? So yeah, I think a lot of it really comes down to you know, how motivated is the seller? Are they ready to sell? Or are they are they willing to to sit out for you know, another year, two years, three years, or however long it takes for the market to recover? So I've seen certain situations where people take their property out to market, and you know the listing broker gave them broker opinion of value at a certain price, and then offers come in, and you know they the offers are 15 percent below. The asking price and you know that seller they might have a long-term fixed rate loan and they're getting good rent growth they might just say well i'll just sit and wait and just continue to cash for the property i've seen other cases where there's people who they might have bought the property two or three years ago and you know they finance the acquisition with a a loan that has a lower prepayment penalty whether it was a bridge loan or it's a bank loan or it's an agency loan step down prepay and they get an offer that comes in. And a lot of times, especially if they're a syndicator, they can say, okay, for my investors and you know, doing kind of the, the best I can for my investors, I can take this offer today. And you know, maybe the broker's opinion of value, if I would have gotten that price, this would be a grand slam. But I'll take this offer today and instead of a grand slam, I'll get it all around. And it's still a really solid return for my investors. And I can wait 12 more months and maybe the market will recover. But I might, you know, my loan might be mature in 12 months, or I have less term left in my loan. And, you know, maybe pricing isn't as strong. Maybe, you know, the market continues to decline. And so a lot of those owners are willing to accept lower prices. And then I'm seeing cases where, like, it's a long term family ownership. They've had the property for 20 years and they're still seeing this pricing as, 
you know, being a great return over the term. And they've already had multiples returned on their initial investment because they've had it for so long. And so, and there's really multiple sales. So, like, I've seen properties that, like, I'm working on an A3 property portfolio right now that's in, in DFW. And I mean, it went under contract at, at 47 million, right, as rates started increasing. And then it fell out of contract. And I'm working with a buyer that's going under contract with 34 million. So it's like 25% plus reduction. I'm seeing another property in DFW that's in North Dallas that was under contract at 43, 44 million. And it's going under contract at, I think, 35 and a half billion, somewhere in that range. And so it just comes down to how motivated the sellers are. And then to answer your question about will this continue the, the bid ask spread, you know, I think as we get you know, longer in kind of this down cycle and, you know, hopefully it doesn't last too long. But, you know, I think as interest rates start increasing and, and frankly, like a lot of people finance their acquisitions with floating rate bridge loans in 2021. And if floating rates keep increasing and people get in situations where, you know, maybe their cash flow is just above a 1.0 coverage or they're not generating enough cash flow to, to pay their principal and interest, or they're a syndicator and they'll, they'll have to call call capital or whatever, you know, whatever it may be. I think they'll be more motivated sellers. And that's just more motivated sellers. You'll start to see that bid ask spread come down. You'll start to see cap rates really start to increase. When you look out to the future, projecting is always kind of a, a fool's errand. But is it really as simple as saying cap rates, interest rates are generally going to rise until the Fed starts cutting in response to a recession that they've probably caused or will there be, is there other factors that you're watching? You know, I think there's always a relationship between cap rates and interest rates. I mean, there's not a perfect correlation there, but I, I think there'll be some increase in cap rates. I think there's, there just has to be, you know, if interest rates continue to increase and if they do stay high and then, you know, once the Fed does cut, then we'll get to a point where you know, interest rates are, are you know, very low and cap rates are still high. And, you know, you can finance acquisitions with Fannie Mae loans at 80% LTC again. But I also think, you know, there's some other variables in multifamily that I think are going to make, you know, I think a lot of the other property types, like office properties, you know, especially, you know, hotels, retail properties has already gone through kind of its secular decline. I think, you know, retail is, it has been recovering, but there's so much more capital allocation towards multifamily. And there's so many positive you know, factors for multifamily that I think we'll continue to see lower cap rates for multifamily in comparison to other property types. But I do think we will see some increase in cap rates, you know, especially if the 10-year treasury stays at 3.5%. I see cap rates increasing. Yeah. You mentioned several properties that have fallen out of contract. We've seen that as well. But we've also seen some fall out because the lender decided to change the terms at the last second. How can you minimize that risk if you're on the, the purchaser's end where you, you're trying to get to the finish line with a lender? You do want to seal your vows without the terms changing drastically. What strategies are you seeing folks employ these days to try to minimize that? So again, another reason why it's nice to buy in 2022 versus 2021 and why I would advocate people you know, think about buying currently is that it, it's a buyer's market. And when it's a buyer's market, you might have some more flexibility on the purchase and sale agreement and the terms of that sale. So 
you know, in 2021, you had to put up a significant amount of non-refundable earnest money day one. And in some markets, and I'm even seeing around DFW, a lot of borrowers aren't having to put up earnest money until two weeks in or 30 days into their contract. And so what I would say is like, number one, if you can start looking into your financing and understanding what the financing landscape is before you even go under contract, and then even better if you have some more runway, you know, before your earnest money goes hard, it is critically important to understand your financing and understand the outlook for financing very, very early in the process. I mean, ideally, you're talking to your lenders or your mortgage broker before you submit your best and final offer and reviewing the pro forma and business plan with them and just understanding like what the terms are out there. And then as soon as you have an accepted LOI, you or your mortgage broker are going out and actually getting loan applications from lenders. And hopefully you have multiple options. And then, you know, you're as far as long as possible in the first two weeks, first three weeks or whatever it is before your money goes hard. And that way you could avoid that situation where if there's a retrade or the lender does fall out because it is it is happening, you know, you're you're at least prepared to avoid it. You know, where people get into trouble is if they put the, the loans alone on the back burner and they don't spend any time on a loan. And then two weeks after their PSA, they start shopping the financing. And then, you know, they come to realize, oh, our pro forma, you know, these rents aren't supported by the market or whatever. And they end up, you know, finding one outlier lender who says they'll do the loan and nobody else will. And all of a sudden that outlier lender's like, oh, actually we can't do this loan. Or, or we're at 65% instead of 80% LTV or, you know, whatever it may be. So I'd say that's one thing. I mean, I'll just give an interesting story about like on a loan where we got you know, quote unquote retraded, but I actually prepped the borrower and said, the retraded that I'm telling you right now. So I had a loan where it was a two property portfolio in DFW. We were doing a, it was a 25 or $26 million loan. And we put our package together. We showed it to probably 25 different lenders and most of the lenders came back at, you know, kind of 70% LTV, low 70s. And we had one that came back at 75% LTV. And I went to the bar and I said, okay, we have this group at 75% LTV. Their interest rate you know, seems competitive. And it, it seems like a market rate. It's not like an outlier, really. And they said, well, you know, we really wanted 80%. So I said, okay, well, we can go back and see if we can get 80%. And so I went to the lender and I said, you know, can we get 80%? They said, well... You know, I think we could stretch to just below 80%. And so I said, okay, like, let's just get a loan out here at just below 80%. And so I took a loan application and I'm going to call the borrower. And I said, loan amount says 80% or close to 80%. But I'm telling you, be ready to close at 75% because this is the debt yield step. This is the DSCR step. Here's all the different areas where you know they could potentially get us because I'm looking at our underwriting, I'm looking at their steps, and I don't see us meeting these steps. And so just be ready to close at 75%. But sure enough, we get you know two weeks out from closing, letter comes back, and they didn't cut our proceeds. Well, like they offered us three different options. They can maintain proceeds where they were, but increase our, our spread from 400 over SOFR to 435 over SOFR. That was option one. Option two, something in between, a slight reduction in proceeds, but a slight increase in spread. And then option three was 75% at 400 over SOFR. And so we kind of knew going in that like 
there's a risk here that this could get this could get retrained and just you know having enough repetitions and enough going through this multiple times with lenders, I can kind of cut the borrower for it and and ended up ended up working out okay. So I think you know to me like a, a you know a retrade or a bad retrade is just when you're completely blindsided and you just don't even see it coming. And I think not to uh, plug myself here, but I think working with a good broker, especially in today's market where Things are very volatile and things are changing constantly. Working with someone that um, does, you know, 30, 40 of these loans per year can be very helpful. I appreciate that. That color is helpful. I was looking the other day at some loan maturity dates and just like in across the multifamily industry. And you're right. There's a big wall of loans maturing in 2023, 2024, a lot of bridge debt that's come and do at that point in time, you know, at least the initial three-year term. Over the last 10, 12 years, I think people were really aggressive with bridge debt and they got bailed out by a rising tide in many different ways, compressed cap rates, increased rents. You know, we're still seeing increase in rents, although I think that's going to slow down somewhat, but cap rates are increasing. You know, we, we went through some price reductions that we're seeing anecdotally in various markets. Do you think that the market will bail out folks who, let's say they're maturing in the back half of 23 into 2024, or do you think there might be some real pain that could lead to a little bit of a domino effect? Yeah, I mean, I think now more than ever, operations are are really important. And I think the better operators will do just fine. And the people that can execute their business plan and you know, the borrowers that are well capitalized they can kind of get through, you know, some of these these issues with increasing rates, I think we'll, we'll do just fine. But I do think this will be a period where people who are, you know, not as strong in operations or the markets that aren't as attractive markets for multifamily, I think will end up having issues. And, you know, will, will it be 2008? Will it be, you know, total on the streets? I I don't think it will be, but I do think there will be, you know, some properties that have issues. There will be some borrowers that end up losing money. And I think there will be some distress over the next few years. Interesting to think of all the distressed capital funds that were raised right around COVID and very little of that capital ended up being placed. Maybe they were just 30 to 40 months early. Yeah. I mean, I haven't heard really of any uh, distress or any properties are having issues quite yet. But I, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, I think you know as we get longer into the down cycle, well, as I think we get further into 2023, and if rates stay where they are, I think we'll see some issues. But you know, to your point, there have been so many funds that have been raised to kind of capitalize on these opportunities, and there's a lot of people who are waiting on the sidelines to to pounce. Um, I don't know if there'll be a very big window to to jump in, and I think a lot of people. You know, for sure, still want to get into multifamily. I mean, the fundamentals are still really strong. So we'll see how it plays out. I don't see it being a, you know, very large downturn, but I think it's, to your point, a lot of people got bailed out by the market rising, the market improving. I think people also got bailed out by the fact that they had a fixed rate agency loan. Like a lot of properties from 2015 to 2018 were financed with Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac fixed rate loans. And the operators that have issues and their properties were performing, well, they had a fixed rate loan with a 10 year term. So they had 10 years to figure it out. Whereas you know, everyone that bought in 2021, they bought with bridge loans. And with bridge loans, you know, you have two to three years to 
to get your operations and execute your business plan. And, you know, if you, if you haven't executed by end of year two and year three, you're in a situation where your loan's maturing and the property is worth, you know, less than the loan amount, potentially you're underwater. So um, I think that's going to play a big factor, you know, for sure. Awesome. Well, if folks want to reach out to you, learn more about what you do at McKinney Capital Realty, can you share where folks can reach out? Our website is McKinney RC. So it's M-C-K-I-N-N-E-Y-R-C.com. And you'll find my contact information and also my colleague, Henry Holt, his contact information is on there as well. Fantastic. Well, John, really appreciate you joining us today on the show. Thanks for sharing your insights. And uh, thank you to our audience for joining us. This is your host, Sam Rust, signing off. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day. 